Are you looking for more to podcast? Check out Yogi Doc's Thriving Tuesday, but be ready to get inspired, get candid, and get thriving with the holistic twist of medicine. On this episode of Medical Mystery, something mysterious is lurking in the waters. Really? Really what? It's super intense, bro. Does it sound like a like a voiceover for some mysterious movie? Yeah. yeah. All right, all Sounds right. super professional. <laughs> Something mysterious is lurking in the waters. Is that better? Sure. Just a couple of weeks ago, a young boy died from something oh. invisible but deadly. Well, you know what's not invisible but deadly? What? Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not invisible. Medicine, what a bloody and mysterious business. Welcome back, friends. This is your dose of Medical Mystery Monday with Yogi Doc, where we dig deep into true crime for a sense of wonder with a holistic twist of medicine. So grab that glass of wine or cup of whiskey because we are here, friends. I'm your hostess, thriving with the mostest, occupational therapist, Dr. Tiffany. And on this ride of life by my side is my co-host and physician, Dr. Shaz. So get ready and buckle up because we're thriving on in. All right, Shazzy, we're back from our break. I know. I know. We were nice. We were there, and then we were gone for a moment. We had a little bit of our, uh, took some time and had a personal break. Yeah, it was <laughs> nice to have a, have a little break, yeah. <laughs> what have you, what you been doing? I've been with you, right? Uh, well, um, I've been working on a little bit of a personal blog known as TMI, which will be down like in the show notes a little bit, but I uh, rearranged this office. Well, as I say office, it's a closet, but I rearranged it yeah. to set up like, you know, more work-friendly space. Yeah. For those of you that can't see my face, I'm just like looking around because there's, there's so much stuff in here. Yeah. I need to figure out what I'm going to be doing with this like post-it note section. And like, I... I it's like wall. It's like wall tiles. I like. I, I just feel like we're going to be moving soon, so I don't want to like invest in anything yet. But I really feel like I need to upgrade to like a sit stand desk because I'm definitely aching. But I know I've been doing that. But like, what? So we've been watching a lot of um, new shows like Netflix, Hulu, all over the place, Disney, everything. Um, Shaz even watched uh, Hocus Pocus for the first time, so that was exciting. But out of all the things that we've been watching on our break, what has been your favorite? Probably the unresolved or unsolved, you know, Tupac Biggie uh, documentary. That was yeah, ama- that was amazing. That was your favorite. That was amazing. Yeah, and it was great because it was like nostalgic, you know, from like yeah. being born in the eighties and living through the nineties. And- it was it was a good. It was very well done. I will say, I agree. And even though I Josh, that even though Josh Dumal was on there, he didn't ruin it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad he didn't ruin it. Right yeah, now. freaking Josh Jamal, but, but he, he he did fine. So I'm gonna, I'll give him props. You know? Yeah, but. I would have to say though, I did enjoy that as well. But I would have to say, American Vandal was that, on the you, top of my list. You gotta watch that. Yeah, I mean, y'all gotta watch that. First of all, these people's high schools are all crazy. Like I don't remember doing this stuff. Like 
we didn't do that kind of well we did stuff but not like that i don't know or like, like yeah kids these days do some stuff that we didn't do and we definitely. didn't have social media like that. Have, that's true too i mean i had myspace i, didn't, I didn't have a cell phone um i didn't get a cell phone until i was like <laughs> my mid to late 20s you sound old right now no i just didn't want one i didn't want people to really get a hold of me at any time well i wanted to play snake whatever i, just didn't, I didn't want to be bothered by people all right. Well, I want you to know where I am. Well, it's an amazing show. And I mean, it caught my attention because like, you know, there's some poop episodes involved <laughs> that caught my or attention. Or vandalism. Yeah. And interesting. like, well, and I wasn't sure what to expect. I was kind of like, okay, this sounds, it might be crazy, but it is so well done. Like the documentary style to it, definitely worth a watch. I'd say. I agree. Definitely worth it. And I've been needing that little bit of a break because I've been working a lot on like, so we still have our big surprise coming out like way later that Yogi Doc has Ooh, coming I out. Like surprises. But like, well, Yogi Doc surprise is like a while out right now. It's a big project we've been working on. But Telethrive has um, something new we're going to be launching soon. We're going to be launching our academy here soon. So um, I've been needing the break to watch some shows, and I've really been excited that we've been able to get away and do that. You've been working a lot of stuff? Yeah, I've been, like, just on the computer between getting courses together and the workbooks and the e-books and all the things that are going to be launched soon. It's it's been quite a lot, so it's nice to kind of, like, have to Courses for what? Um. So it's for our Telethrive section, like I had mentioned, like, so for my company. So it's occupational therapy days, like for parenting, parents mostly, a lot of sensory processing. Okay. So like OT stuff for for autism. Okay. Pediatric OT kind of stuff. So that's exciting. Um, I've been looking forward to that. But we live out here in Las Vegas and the weather has definitely dipped and changed this last couple of weeks. Like it just... It went from like a hundred to forty, like I feel like over. I mean, probably sixty, but that's still yeah. that's still cold for us. I mean, forty at night, but the other day still... I left the house, it was forty-seven when I left. The house. I was like, Gross. I mean, yeah, it happens. It happens in the desert. Yeah, but we do, we do. Like even though we're out here in the desert, so you know, of course, it, when it does drop, it drops. But we do have a little bit of water out here. The Colorado River comes by, and we have the. Uh, you're laughing at me because I stumbled. The Colorado River runs by. And, um, you know, we have Hoover Dam right here. That's super popular. So then that creates the reservoir for Lake Lake Mead. And we have Las Vegas Lake and all that fun stuff. So we live out here in Las Vegas. Yeah. And a lot's been changing, too. Like, the weather has been going crazy. It's hot, like, cold, super hot, cold. super cold yeah. recently. And I am not it's a big not fan of the cold. It's not super cold. but It is super cold. The other day I left the house, and oh, it was, like, 47 God. degrees. And, you know, when it gets below 60, all these, like, puffer Ooh. jackets come out. And For me, if it gets below 80. I'm still wearing my T-shirt. I, I, Hashtag I from, Florida girl. I moved here from Michigan <laughs> a few years ago. I'm fine. Anyways, Ugh. you know, Everyone thinks we're the desert, so it does get cold in the desert. That that's true. It does. But we actually have a body of water or two. Yeah, you know? we do have some water out here because, like, the Colorado River flows through, right? And uh, you got you the know, Hoover Dam. Yeah, yeah. and so everybody creates, loves going to the Hoover Dam. Yeah, it creates the reservoir, and so you have Lake Mead right there, and okay. so that, that's Lake Mead um, Recreation Center. It's a national recreational center. It's part of the national park system. And it's pretty big. I mean, and then you also have like Lake Las Vegas, which comes off of that a little bit too. But 
I've definitely been down to Lake Mead quite often. We've been too. We went through the tunnel trail. I mean, it's not really a trail. Well, it's yeah, it's, a, it's like a walking path. A yeah, walking I'd path. Say. There you go. <laughs> but they call it a trail. I would call it a walking path. It's not like a hike or anything like that. But it like it goes along uh, Lake Mead. It's very beautiful, and it ends at the very end. So it's like a in and out back kind of trail. And when you get to the tip at the end of it, there's like a part where you could veer off to the left and you end up at the top of the parking garage to Hoover Dam. So you can walk down the stairs and you can walk across Hoover Dam and you're there. And when you're ready to go back, you can just take it back. So it's like nice to go take a picnic out there, kind of go spend the day and hang, Um, you know, and the trail is pretty, pretty. It's not like asphalt or anything that, but people take strollers on it. Um, and it's pretty wide and like roomy in that perspective. It goes right against the water, so it's very beautiful. But there's a ton of trails out there in Lake Mead that I, I definitely enjoy. Um, and then you have Willow Beach, which is popular. That's still part of that. That's true. Section so that's like the yeah. side of the Colorado River. That's so it's like cold, colder water over there compared to like the Lake Mead side. But yeah. So like Hoover Dam is super popular and whatnot. But like I was super shocked because. You know, all of this stuff going on, I'm sitting here, like like I was saying, like I've been working on the Academy stuff and all these things that's been launching and, we, you know, we've had some personal stuff going on, so I felt like I've been super busy. So, like, I just caught a glimpse of the story and I needed to know more about it. So I was just like, all right, so, like, let's let's figure out something more about it. And so apparently, like, this Las Vegas team, so... One of the things you have to understand, too, is like Lake Mead is part in Las Vegas and part in um, Arizona. It's so like it crosses the Nevada, Arizona area. But the, lake's like the Hoover Dam the lake crosses like right in the middle. Las Vegas, though. Yeah. In Nevada. So. Yeah. But the Hoover Dam like crosses over. So, um, you know, this Las Vegas teen goes out. Um, this is about like late September, early October time and goes out to this uh, Kingman Wash area, which is on the Arizona side of the Colorado River um, the reservoir behind like the Hoover Dam. So, okay. like, so we're kind of, we're on that side. He's from Las Vegas, but we're on that side. Right. And, um, you know, they never in any of the stories or anything like that they kept a lot of his information very confidential. He is a child. He's underage. So I, I can imagine. So, and also to respect the family and, and patient, in, patient privacy. Yes. Way, so. Yes. So I can understand why the news like didn't give out, ton of information so his exact age is unknown but like about teenage years is what we're looking at yeah and so i was just like kind of blown away that this like you know this happened this las vegas teen goes out there and he dies from this and they're like this brain eating parasite takes him down and i'm like what in the world happens how does that not leave you like, first of all, like, I am so sorry for his family. Like, what what a huge shock that is. And, like, no parent should ever have to outlive their own, their children. But I'm also, like, I needed to know more. Like, I just, it was not something that I thought could happen. So it's something I needed to learn about a little bit more. Like, I know we talk about parasites and whatnot in school. But it's just, like, you know, it's so close to home. And, of course, I had to know more. So then as I, like, looked into it a little bit further, I did learn that this is not actually that common completely, so but it's something we totally need to be aware of because it can happen to you, and it, like, just literally just happened. But there's only 154 cases of this infection and death with this anemia. Amoeba. Ane- 
Amoeba. Amoeba. <laughs> I got it. I got it. All right. In the U.S., like ever since, uh, I think it was like 1962. So, um, I don't know. I, I just felt like that, that, you know, it doesn't happen too often. No, and, 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 and so then I needed to know more. You know, you know, the death was not like in the water. It happened. Yeah. You know, you go, you know, the death doesn't left. happen in the water. If you just infected in the water. got sick later. Yeah, that's, that's wild. Yeah. I didn't actually notice that few cases. And it's, it's the only case of the parasite the associated with Lake Mead, according ever. to like the state yeah. and local, you know, health officials and such. But um, out of that like 154 cases that we've had in, you know, over this period since 1962, more than like almost half of them are in Texas and Florida. So I can only imagine that's like got to be something Fre- with the humidity water, or the, or the warmth warm, yeah. and whatnot. So I'm 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 sure you can teach me more about that um, in a moment, but uh, yeah, this is the only one that's been reported in Nevada before this week, like the scenario. So it's definitely wild out there, and this definitely, you know, even though this happens more often in young males, and it, there's not really a a clear reason why. I can only just put a like assume it's because they dive in the water some more you know they're like and your and your head has to submerge around yeah. a lot more yeah girls don't want to get their hair wet so they don't we don't want to get our hair wet we don't want you to mess up our pores we're gonna be here and just brown or just be at the water let it baste below. us just turn us yeah <laughs> you know so i you know, i was completely blown away i i I can't believe that this is passed. And I just had so many questions. I want to know more about like what this is, how this is and how this happened, like, you know, and how long this takes. So I'm excited for you to kind of, uh, it's an unfortunate event, but I'm excited for you to learn a little bit more about this. Yeah. So this, this brain amoeba is brain infection. It's a, it's a very rare parasite. And the parasite is actually called Nigleria fowlery. Oh, it's got one of those fancy. It's got one of those fancy names. genus species type <laughs> names, and it's, it's a naturally occurring amoeba. Um, believe it or not, that's that's actually what's kind of scary. It lives in fresh water, um, and 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 more tendency in, in the warmer, uh, like the warmer area. Yeah, that's um, probably why I like Texas and Florida. Where yeah, right and so too. it's it's crazy because like I mean I myself have jumped into like fresh waters when I was out in Florida when I you know when I was training out there and. It's a risk you have to, you know, like you assume or you take. You don't every even time. think about it. No, though. you don't. You don't think about it. And that's true. Like as as a you know, guys go underwater more, and we like, you know, we submerge our heads underwater. So that that actually what makes it a risk. So you're not gonna believe how this amoeba enters the body. It enters through your nose. That's why you keep mentioning the nose. Yeah, it meant it. Enters, I'm very glad that I don't want to get my hair wet. It now. enters through your nose and it. It hits the nerves that are in your nose, pretty much the the nerves that you use to smell, and travels up that nerve into your brain and starts to literally infect and, yeah, eat your your brain. Um, That's what it does. I was going to say, how does it do that? It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. And you wouldn't know you had it. Uh, it, You know, you could have, you you know, inhaled it in or inhaled it, but traveled up your nose in, and you just keep swimming and just keep enjoying your, your day, and then... When you, does it start? Like when? I, it, when do you start noticing things? In a couple of days, you'll start noticing fever and headache, um, and then you'll start having like neck stiffness and neck pain. It can start even up to a week or two later. 
Um, but really within the first, you know, three to you know, a couple of days, three to four days, especially the severe cases. Um, and, and, uh, you know, people can die or they do die within, you know, four to five days of those symptoms. That's what's crazy about it. Um, so is it like, is it going in and physically eating away at our brain or is it causing an infection? It's causing like, it an, like, like an inflammation of the brain and, and that's the disease is called amoebic meningoencephalitis. Okay. And, and so it's basically infecting various parts of the brain causing symptoms that kind of resemble meningitis. So, you know, these the kids come in to the hospital and... They look like they have meningitis. And it can happen to anybody. This story is just yeah, happened to me. Really, yeah, it can, a, happen, it can anybody. happen to anybody at any age. And so the patient will there. come in and, and they'll have these symptoms that look like meningitis. And, you know, doctors will treat for meningitis and nothing works. And then within a day or two, they're they're dead, depending on when they come in and how long they took to come in. Because they're not tests that you run for it, like, mm -hmm. to, to diagnose it. And unfortunately, the patient is, like, too, you know, they're having seizures, they're in a coma, so they can't even tell you that they were in fresh water. And whoever brought them in would have to know to say that. Yeah, that's, it's weird. Like you don't when you go to the doctor and you have a problem, you don't say, "Oh yeah, I, I jumped in the lake four days ago for half an hour." Like that's not something that you think to say. Yeah. Um, and so that's what's really scary about it. It seems like it's not like I mean, this is a man-made lake, but yeah. like in general, like it seems like body of water, water natural. Like yeah, it should be okay. It can't hurt me. And the amoeba is so. you can't see it, so you don't know it's gotta there. Got to be why it's so rare. Yeah, right? you don't know it's there, and by the time the diagnosis comes, it's it's really too late. No. Um, and is it like only you can only get it through the nose? That's that's really the only way we know you can get it, and, and yeah. um, any any other way you would ingest it or you'd eat it or you'd drink it, it, it won't cause those same problems. So it's not something like you need to like quarantine no i'm just clarifying you, you can't, that uh, we're, it's definitely you not. know after covid i feel like that's everybody's first questions that no. we start to get is like what do i need to do now how do i prevent it from spreading? if someone has it they're, they're it not going to spread it they're not going to spread you know it. so i'm just not. thinking about whatever our listeners thinking yeah you know and then there was some thought that it could live in the soil i don't know if that's true or not um, but really it's in the, they think it's in the soil because of the water used to water the soil. Yeah. Not because it's actually living yeah. in the dirt or anything and like I'm that. And I'm sure there's gotta be like, you know, cause like Texas and Florida are a little higher because of the warmer water. I'm sure there's gotta be an increase like during the summer months as well. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, but again, like it's just so rare. There's no real patterns for it. Yeah. Um, but so like, does this mean like it's, so it's not just if it's in fresh water. It won't be the ocean. It, well, no, 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 no. I'm saying like, so it's not just lakes and like rivers, like hot springs and stuff. Like, yeah. like it could be in our tap water. It can be in your tap water like so from pools, when you shower in it. Yeah, right. Pools, our pools. Your pool, your shower. You know, water Unless used for showering. Unless you've got like a fancy sea salt pool, like that sounds kind of cool. Yeah, we should. I would do, love do, do that. It now. Yeah, do it now. Can I put that on my? Any kind of water board? parks? It can be, you know, because that's all. Water oh my gosh, just, I didn't even think about that. Water parks, yeah. It's just, I mean, that's tap water too, right? So I always think about there's some kind of bacteria and whatnot there, but it's mostly because I'm always thinking about the people peeing and everything. Well, yeah, but you know, pee is sterile. There's no bacteria. Yeah, I know, but it you still like. You Believe it or not, pee is clean. In that, in that I crazy. guess, yeah, I, you gotta be. <laughs> I'm not afraid to throw of, that science. I'm not back afraid in of pee. There. Yeah, I think we're just trained to think like pee is dirty. Pee is not dirty. Swimming in a pool of pee sounds dirty. And I know that they have chlorine and stuff there, but... Pee is sterile. Pee is clean. Uh, I still People's don't want to swim in it. Skin is dirty. People are dirty. 
But these parasites are not clean. They're not, no. And so, you oh know. Oh my gosh. It, so, sorry. Go ahead. I didn't even no, mean no. to interrupt you. No, no, no. Go but ahead. But like if it's, it's at water parks too, this means like, okay, so I work with a lot of parents. So that's why my mind goes to this like real quick. That means like your at-home splash pads and water that tools stuff. that you use like for sensory plays or things like that. If, if it, you got to wash that stuff, it yeah, could be on anything. It can go, yeah, it's got to get in through your nose. I didn't and, even and think that's, of that. that is, it's wild. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's got to be always going to be in, in warmer temperatures, more waters. So, you know, anywhere between, you know, anything greater than 70 degrees, really. Um, okay, yeah, that's so like, that covers pretty much everywhere I've ever lived. Fair enough. <laughs> It covers actually every place, right? So it's summertime, even in Minnesota. Yeah. It's seventy degrees. Yeah. So Ooh. um but yeah, this this bacteria, Neglaria fowlery. So like how does it um how does it survive? Like parasite. Uh what's that? How does it survive? Like how does it get there? And like how does it survive? It just it's just an organism. It lives. It eats small bacteria you know, other bacteria. It just resides in in lakes and rivers, and feeds off, feeds other bacteria, and feeds oh. off other bacteria, and just lives. And it can just it can just live, um, yeah. you know. And it's it's absolutely uh, you know fatal. There are some treatments that are coming out for it, but it's you just don't know to give it because they don't you don't know that they have it. Um, yeah. And you know you can't give antibiotics because yeah, that's not gonna that's not gonna kill it. They could probably just um, like the only way to know is like to test the waters, and by the time all those testings come back, it's, yeah, it's too late because you know the, well, this happens well, pretty quickly, right? You because... can't even test the water because you're not going to capture the amoeba in the water. There's not like a million of them there. There's just a few of them. So yeah. you take that cup of water. Let's say you go into the lake and take a cup of water out. You're not going to find that amoeba in that cup of water. Yeah, that's not really that, possible. That's a good point. Too. And, and just you know, just testing for any kind of brain infection like this is. You know, it's there's not much out there for it, you know, and that's that's the that's the worst part. Like, you know, reg regular meningitis, we had a test for it, but you know, this it's not something that we routinely test for, and that's what's scary about it. Yeah. Um, and it's like, um, by the time you start to, I mean, how much time do you really have? I don't. I mean, you know, within five days of of your symptoms, people are people are dead. Wow. Within five days of their symptoms or five days of like being exposed? Like, because your symptoms, you said, could go from like one day to like, you know, Co like a couple of like, weeks. Like, like a couple of weeks. Like, you know? So, really, but the death will occur within you know, within five days of you showing symptoms. Okay. So, I was like, oh, do you even show symptoms? And like, no, what yeah, if you'll people have pass away without you'll, showing you'll symptoms? You'll have headache and neck stiffness, and then you'll start getting confused and. Okay. That nausea so, and vomiting like, the, and you know, the symptoms come. Right. Yeah, think about it. Like you're not gonna come to the hospital with a, on the first day of having a headache. Like who does that? Yeah. I just didn't know if it was one of those things where maybe you go first and then you're like, We had no signs. That's I've never heard of that before, but again, there's only been a hundred Yeah, that's something also like, cases. Like so that's not like a huge sample know. size. It's me but, overthinking everything. Well, I mean, there's brain infections like this have always like stumped, you know, doctors and medicine, even for like for for years, for hundreds of years. Um, really, meningitis is the main one we always knew. You know, there was a disease back in, they found it like in the 60s, I think. Um, they found a population of people that were like losing their mind. And it was out in Papua New Guinea, a country. What? Yeah. Where's that? It's an island country just kind of north of Australia, um, just in the, in the Indian Ocean out there. And they found these people were, were like losing their mind. And they're like, why are they doing this? And they they didn't know why. And, and well, they were like, 
let's let's study these people and see what they do. And they had this ritual where they would eat the brains of like people that had died. So they didn't kill people eat their brains, but they ate the brains of people that died and they and they found these diseases. Or they found these people were losing their minds. And so they had this infection. And it's not the same one here, but the reason why I'm talking about this is because all these rare brain infections, the testing for it has come because of this condition. Like oh, wow. they yeah. created these tests because of this odd condition. They, they were it. like, hey, regular meningitis is not the only thing out there that that attacks your brain. And so that's kind of how like we started to look for other parasites and other kinds of things that cause, you know, rare brain conditions. And this, you know, neglaria, fowlery being one of them. Um, but yeah, it travels up yeah. your nose, up the the nerves in your nose into your brain and starts to cause infection and basically eats your brain. Oh my goodness. I mean that's in that and that's ridiculous. Um and there's not know. even every not every lab even actually has a test for it is the worst part. So that's just if you go to a smaller hospital, let's say somewhere in a small town, they just send that sample to somewhere else. That could take days and days. Like that patient is dead because yeah. they won't have the labs back. It's it's crazy. I can't believe that. It doesn't sound like a good way at all to go. I mean, not that any way is good. Any way but is, is I good, definitely, yeah. I, I feel for the family. Um, I don't I don't feel like any parents should have to outlive their child. Um, that, it's got to be such a shock. Yeah, so, and it is. And like people ask, well, is, is there a vaccine for it? Or is there anything you can take for it to prevent it? No, the unfortunate answer is no. I mean, vaccines yeah, are, like are for viruses that kind of just and happen. antibiotics are for bacteria. So you really can't stop a parasite from entering and, and doing what it needs to do until you already have it. And then there are some anti-parasite drugs, but there's not too many out there for this one. And although we are creating, you know, by we, I mean like researchers, not me, you know, but yeah. like, <laughs> are you, but like they are trying to create more ways to, to stop this, you know, rare infection. Wow. So this infection is extremely fatal. At, I mean, nearly 100%. sounds it. Yeah, but guess what? It's also nearly 100% preventable. What? Yeah, so if you think about well, it. I mean, you, if you can, you know, you can. It happens naturally. You, How can we prevent it? Well, because you can protect yourself from oh, okay. either either don't Prevention. jump into water or don't jump into water that gets up to your, you know, up, up your face, into your, you know, water into, into your nose. nose. Yeah. Or plug your nose up, you know. So Obviously, no diving. Sometimes, you know, 100% preventable because, yeah, if you. It's like in your shower water and you get in your nose, like no one wears nose plugs in the shower. Yeah. But at or least maybe like somebody does. jumping into body, I hope, I'm sure some people do, <laughs> but jumping into bodies of water and just being aware of how deep it is and, you know, just how clean the water is or how. Yeah. I mean, and probably live, like the you temperatures. Live, if you live in a too. warm area, like just be yeah. aware. Be more careful around yeah, the summer so months. Diving Don't head dive first, in the we'll, summer. We'll, we'll do it. Yeah. So all right, that makes sense because it, it goes up your nose, right? And so, you know, they're also because the amoeba, because it does live in the dirt, also in the water. You think about it, there is dirt in water, right? And so it's on the ground of mm -hmm. the water. So maybe like water that's not stirring up the dirt that that can help you out. Um, yeah. And you know, um, you know, climate change can be a factor too. You know, as temperatures rise and the water temperature in the lakes rise, it can make that area more prone to having that amoeba. So oh. that choosing your bodies of water if you're going to jump. Yeah. <laughs> you're and and diving, when you're going to do choosing it. it. Choosing it wisely. Not in the summer. Knowing that the amoeba can be more, you know, available in those kind of kind of body bodies of water. Okay. Well, what does this mean for 
Lake Mead right now. You know, I mean, it's just the national park system. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that they're, you know, doing their own investigation and like checking into, you know, everything they can do to prevent things. Like, it's kind of right, but swimming in a lake is is no, you know, that well. that can have organisms. You know, it's a risk, and it's it's the it's the environment yeah, of that. You gotta organism. assume the assume the risk when you're going into exactly. it for sure. But like um for the for like me though like. Right as of right now, they're not closed, right? No, no. Yeah, I, um, and it's not something that you really can like put a sign up because it doesn't mean that it's going to be like right there in that spot. And then like you could be ten feet over and not have a sign or whatever, and somebody might misread it. Like that's yeah, not, not a it's that's not, not like one of those things. You just have no, to assume the like risk and be growing there. be into like, it. It's yeah, floating around the water. And I'm just like trying to make that point where it's like, hey, why can't you know they do more? They 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 can't really do that. You can't. Like, you absolutely you can't, can't really put a sign where exactly. it's at. Um, but if anybody definitely would like more information, because I know that this was very interesting to me. Um, we have in our show notes, all of our references, of course, um, but also a link to the CDC where they give like an information page explains our little brain eater guy. What was his name again? Nigleria Fowlery. Yeah. Him. Great, great name. That guy. That brain eater. Great name. But, um, yeah, again, my condolences are out. Absolutely. That's horrible for the family to what they're going through and, and, and this young individual, it's awful. Suffering from this, yeah. And I know, like, we, we talked about all of this and, like, safety from here forward, though. I heard the news stations when I was, like, walking by and I had heard the story to begin with uh, say that it that it can't get in our drinking water here in Las Vegas. And if anybody doesn't know that, like, our, our drinking water from Las Vegas comes from Lake Mead. So um, I know recently in those last couple months, like – I don't even know if it's the last couple of months. It could be even the last couple of weeks. It's like super recent. They just brought up the sixth body out of Lake Mead. What? Body? Like a dead body. Oh dear God! There's that there too. Yeah, and I do like oh, we're gonna no. we're gonna end up doing like a, a episode series like on the murders of Lake oh, Mead no. for sure. So I definitely there. think that that will be. Oh, there's so much, and like Mead's oh got such God. a history of it. That's because you got to think, like the the mob throwing like bodies. I don't oh. know if that's like actually true. I just like know stories that I've heard. I mean, I guess you know? people dump bodies, like, and you got to remember, like that the mob was huge in Vegas, like you know. And then, like, I'm sure there's a ton of crackheads that are probably doing things like that too. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but we're 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 gonna be definitely researching and covering it all. We you know I've, we've kind of been in the process a little bit, so that'll be coming up. Something to look forward to. Or not look forward to. Yeah. Just <laughs> for a slight inter, uh, not entertainment, for learning purposes. It's all about education. Yeah. So we know how to kind of go on from there. But, man, your story was definitely pretty interesting, and I feel like it hit really close to home. Well, we live here. But. So, yes, actually, it did hit close to home. I'm about to blow your socks off. Not wearing any socks. Are you not? I am. I'm just joking. Oh, I had to look. (laughs) You're listening to Yogi Doc, a podcast powered by Telethrive. Telethrive provides occupational therapy services in multiple states while specializing in sensory integration, social emotional regulation, feeding therapies, neuromotor disorders, and pediatric neurodevelopmental disorders. 
which include ADHD, autism, learning disabilities, and so much more. On this podcast, our healthcare providers become your best friend. Thanks for tuning in to Yogi Doc. Now let's get back to thriving. All right, I'm back for my pee break. Are you ready for this? And we just said that it needed to happen. All right. All right. But like we said, like not to glorify, but to learn, right? And um, I today's episode is like definitely focused on our brain eaters. So we had our brain eater parasite. Apparently, our brain eater culture situation. Yeah. Country. Papua, people, Papua New Guinea. place, also surprised guest us when <laughs> it showed up. The disease is Kuru. But uh, um, my my story with Jeffrey Dahmer, like, so they're you know they've confirmed that he, you know he's confirmed or whatnot that like he's eaten some of the flesh. So I would definitely say cannibalism, and he kept brains in the jar, like in jars. And there's a little bit more brain stuff kind of going on towards the end a little bit. But, like, uh, there's no exact confirmation if he was exactly eating the brains. The but they though. only found some of the brains of the story. So we can only assume that he's eating all of the scenarios. But we're going to dive a little bit deeper. And I'm going to just, you know, let me start not completely at the beginning. But let me start somewhat in the middle to give you a little bit of an idea. You ready for this? Not really. Okay. So like- (laughs) I'm scared. A big part of why I wanted to do this episode on a side note is because, you know, obviously Netflix came out with a huge series lately. Uh, Hulu did. Everybody has come out with like their version of the story, right? And I've seen a lot of people post online about, hey, I can't get past the first episode. It's just too much. It's too gruesome. It's too much. So I was thinking, like, if we covered it in somewhat of a way in our story, in our in our podcast, like, form, like, people could still hear the story, but maybe, like, without the visual, it's a little bit more to tolerate if you're still interested in knowing the story, whatnot. Um, that makes sense. Okay. So, like, there's a little bit of that portion to it. So I, I just want to say that from the very beginning, like, this is going to be a difficult story to hear because, like, people cannot even watch it on the documentary. Like, there's a ton people posting everywhere like i can't make it past the first episode i can't even get through it and like i turned it off after a couple minutes this is too much to handle so like just buckle up you ready for that let's do it okay so we're looking late at night like almost midnight around 11 30 p.m and we're looking in the summer of 1991 these uh two milwaukee police officers um were stopped um, by an African-American man who had this frightened look on his face. He was like, he had handcuffs dangling from his wrist. He just like looked like a mess. He had no shirt on. He was just kind of like all over the place. And he was identified um, as an early, a man in his early 30s and requested the officer's assistance. He told him, he's like, dude, he's like, I've been drugged by somebody. I was restrained by a freak. He called him a freak. You know, I was restrained by a freak. And he's like, I, I can't get these handcuffs removed. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get away. Like, help me, please. Right. 
And the officers like kind of first looked at the situation, kind of laughed a little bit about it and thought maybe like, you know, some kind of lover's quarrel, whatever. They're just whatever the situation is. It's not like the greatest of neighborhoods. Who knows what's going on? Like what the situation, it could be anything. anything, And they just kind of like brushed it off a little bit. But then they realized that their key can't open the handcuff. Wait, do officers keys open all handcuffs? Uh, apparently not. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I just thought that that was a crazy, interesting fact. Like, I don't know. So, because that, that's the small little piece that threw them off, right? Because they were just going to, like, uncuff it and leave and just, like, even though he said he was restrained by a freak and all this other kind of stuff, they were just done with it, right? Yeah. Well, just, and just thought that it was... And now, yeah. now they got to, like, do more. Right. It's like, what do you mean? It's not working. The key, the key's not working. So they agree. All right, fine. We'll accompany you back. We'll go to the apartment um, where he claims to have escaped from. And before you know it, it is evident that he was very lucky to be alive. It sounds like it. Yeah, that, that's just crazy that he actually got away. That means, you know, mm-hmm. exactly. So and this is where it begins. This is where it all unravels not begins i should say this is where it all unravels and so um this gentleman and the two police officers the trio they are greeted at this apartment at the door of the apartment by a 30 year old quite tall some would say nice looking man and we're gonna call him jeffrey dahmer we're calling that that, that's him that's him okay this man's gonna call that so you know, the officer, just right off the bat, generic, kind of like, hey, what happened? What's going on? And he didn't deny that he restrained the gentleman at all. He was accepting of that. Like, he didn't, you know, contest it in any sort of way. But he also didn't care to explain, like, why or whatnot. He was very just straight to the point kind of with that. And... So the gentleman had told the officers that after placing the handcuffs on him, because this is like when he comes out with this, and he's like, he had said that Jeffrey had threatened to um, threatened him with a knife and mentioned that he wanted to eat his heart. I Yeah, I can see why people couldn't watch this show. Okay. Okay. So he wanted to eat his heart. Okay. So, um, insane. I would be like, I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know what to do in this situation. Like, how how did you get back there? How, how did you get in this situation? H- how do you know him? What's going on, right? And so, Jeff... Well, that, yeah, what's he tell the officers? How did he know the guy? Yeah, well, so at this point, like, they didn't ask any of those questions. They didn't know any of those things right now, right? Okay. At this point. Okay. And so, um, like, well, if you watch, like, the documentaries, they show, like, part of it. But, like, right now, as the officers are, like, approaching, they they don't know what they're approaching into, right? And they – Jeffrey just, like, completely ignores his claims and, like, what he's saying and just kind of directs the, one of the officers to the bedroom where he says he, you know, I keep the key, the handcuffs on the bedroom dresser. And so the the officer walks over, steps into the room, completely disheveled, but, like – you know, you're focused, right? You're just going for one thing. People's stuff is your business. Not completely like nosy looking around just yet. 
But he goes like and walks over to the bedroom stand and he notices that there's like a large knife underneath the bed. And he's still not like totally worried yet until he turns to the dresser where the key is supposed to be on and the drawer is slightly open. And when it's slightly opened, he is shocked by what he finds inside. Wait, okay? what, what's he find inside? So inside are a bunch of Polaroids. Do you remember Polaroids? Polaroids? Like I, pictures? I have Polaroids. Oh, okay. like when you click it and it comes well, out? Well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I have, I still have one of those cameras. But um, so he opens up the drawer and he finds a bunch of Polaroids of dismembered human bodies oh, in like God. unnatural so he, positions. So he took pictures of the yeah, and there's like a ton of them. Oh, geez. And as he walked back into the living room to show the Polaroids like over to his partner, he mumbles like the words like, these are real. Like he's just shocked. He's like, dude, dude, these are, yeah. these are legit. Yeah. Like this is not like you can't, this is not messed around with. So um, at this point, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer, we'll call him Dahmer, realizes that like he's got no way to talk himself out of the situation. What are you really going to say, right? You can't really. They're fake. I don't know. I, you can't. Yeah, you can't really talk anything out of this situation at this point. Run like hell. Um. So then he tried to fight the officers off and escape. So that's exactly what he tried to do, oh, run okay. like hell. Um. But they eventually overpowered him. They handcuffed him. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. They took him hell down. Yeah. And now they had reason to like search this apartment without a okay. warrant right without a warrant, yeah so they go through they walk through um they go over the refrigerator inside like they find um several several severed human heads oh god wait i think only one in this refrigerator i think they find more later on oh, so geez. they find a severed head and like they had they don't know what they're in for right you just think that you're like answering a call on the street you're just like cruising around you're finding human heads, yeah, right, and yeah. these photos and everything that's around, and and the stink and the stank they must have had in that apartment. Oh, of decaying in. bodies. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, they probably did not expect that they were stumbling into this. No. So they go ahead and they take them over to like the police headquarters in downtown Milwaukee. Okay. Um. So then they had the homicide detective come over, but you know, of course, he's. Not sure what to expect either. Like, does anyone? Not very many people have met anybody like Dahmer. Like, you train for this scenario, but you know how many opportunities do you get to play that 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 out. So, no matter how much experience he has and like what he's learned about his interview skills or anything like that, like nothing can really prepare you for this. So, even though Jeffrey like resisted arrest originally. At this point, like he, he's too far in, so he just informed the detectives that he just wished to waive his rights to a lawyer, and he was fully confessed to all of his crimes. Oh, so he's not trying to deny anything. Yeah, okay. he's like, dude, I created this. Now I got to end it, you know? Oh, wow. Okay. So. Yeah. He, he was tells done. Him, I created this, so now I got to end this. All right. So now, like we mentioned, Dahmer says, like, I'm going to confess. I'm going to end it. I created this, and it's over. So over the next two weeks, a total of 60 hours of interviewing Dahmer. And he admitted to murdering 16 young men and 15 in Milwaukee. And one of them was in Ohio, where it all started. That's crazy. And and he's cutting off heads and he's cutting out. Yeah. That can't be too 
easy. I you know how hard it is to cut into a skull? A skull is extremely tough to to like no, dissect. No. Yeah, that is what kind of tools does he have? I know. It it seems like it would be hard. I would I would like to think so, but I'm gonna take you all the way back, right? Like where how it all began, right? So we're gonna go back late seventies to begin with. Um so we're in like nineteen seventy eight and Dahmer's about barely eighteen years old, right? He's still living at home with his parents. He started Amy. as a kid? He's barely 18. Oh, I didn't say the... Let me tell the story first. Maybe he didn't start yet. Maybe I'm telling something. Yeah. No, he started young. Oh, dang. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so he was still living at home with his parents, and he would, like, just, you know, head out and buy alcohol, and he was, like, totally drinking a ton most days. And at this point, like... So I guess, like, growing up as a kid, he didn't have, like, the greatest relationship. His parents didn't have the greatest relationship. And so they end up divorcing around this time. And the dad wasn't living at home. And the mom had some of her own personal issues and situations that were going on and picked up and left and essentially left Dahmer alone by himself. So he had the house to himself. Yeah. So he kind of, like, had the house to himself at this point. His his mom was gone during the summer. She just, like, picked up and left. Nobody told the dad. Dad never checked in on him. So he's just, like, drinking, getting drunk most of his days, doing Staying whatever the hell and, and, and dad doesn't actually know he's alone at home. Doesn't know. That's wild. Okay. Yeah. And so he's just, like, learning how to fend for himself at this point. And, like, growing up, too, you know, he just watched his parents fight a ton. And he didn't have a lot of connection with his mother, but he did have more so with his father, right? And they used to spend time together. Can you guess what they used to do? I mean, I hope not kill things. They used to dissect roadkill. Oh, God. So they weren't doing the killing. They weren't doing the killing, but they were cutting open things? Yeah. Oh. So he's like, you know, he's he's dabbled... In this, like, at this point, but not in a way of, like, where he's, like, killing things yet, or, or at least that I know of. But he's cutting stuff at open. At this point, but yeah. Young age. It was, like, a oh hobby thing, and I think, like, I, I want to say that his dad was, like, some kind of, like, scientist or, or something, and, like, so, you know, you take those classes, you dissect, like, a frog or, like. I get, yeah, we did that, we did that in school. school so I think that's, like, the mindset, like, I'm, you know, I'm teaching about it. Maybe he's going to be a doctor one day or, you know, I don't know. So that was my probably the mindset. Made, my or the dad just dad, taught me math. He's like, dad, go learn algebra. Yeah. Well, the dad was like probably just like <laughs> looking for something to spend time with his son, I, you I know, guess. Okay. and he didn't want to be around the mom too much. So that was something that they did a ton. But yeah, so he's home alone, right? So he doesn't really know how, like, what to go. Like, he's not following a structure. He's just kind of getting drunk. He's like doing whatever he wants. He goes out to go buy beer. And on his way back, he finds this uh, 19-year-old hitchhiker. And so this hitchhiker dude is like, hey, I'm going to head to this rock concert. I want to go to this rock concert. And he's like, well, you know what? I'll take you there. And he's like, well, what time you got to be there, right? And he starts, you know, talking back and forth. And then he's like, you know, why don't you come back to my house for a few beers? And then I'll take you to the concert. So dude's like, sure, I got some time to kill, you know, like. Oh, bad pun. I've got some time to spare. Okay. Oh. And he's Word like, play. uh, yeah, that just came. 
right now, but he's like, I got some time to spare. I can use a few beers before our concert. Let's do this, right? So uh, Dahmer, like as he's like doing these interviews, right, he explains later to the detective that um, this hitchhiker was bare-chested and attractive, just to give like a little image on it in any sort of way. But so he thought like, I'm going to take this guy back. We're going to have some beers and we're going to hang. But as soon as the hitchhiker started talking about girls, uh, Dahmer started to realize, like, not all of his fantasies are going to come true. So um, still, Jeffrey, like, welcomed the hitchhiker into his home. They spent a couple hours listening to music, drinking, talking, hanging out before he had to take him to this concert. But inevitably came to the time where, like, the hitchhiker was like, dude, I got to go. Right. And he's like, what's happening? I got to go. And something triggered him. And I don't know if it's like the abandonment in him or whatnot. He but want, he didn't want to leave. He yeah. didn't want him to leave. And so like the, that triggered him. And he picked up a 10-pound dumbbell and hit him oh. over the head. In the head? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Yes. You're, you're not surviving that. Yes. Okay. So then like this happens at this moment right and then like later in the interviews as like Dahmer's talking about it he tells detectives later like he had that initial adrenaline rush and he was still felt that like paranoid feeling and so then he would like lay next to his body the hitchhiker's body for like a long time and then he went and masturbated all over it that's just a there's like a biochemical neurotransmitter problem in the brain there yeah he like he didn't want to release he He knocked him out and i don't think he meant to kill him i think he like just meant to like he kind of keep him there he and he just ended up dying and he didn't know what to do and so like he had this like rush and then he started freaking out like oh my gosh like i didn't mean for this to happen or whatnot or who knows? Well, yeah, I feel like it was just... like a reaction to being like abandoned in a way. And but then he like lays with it for a while, like lays with his body and then masturbates on it. So I'm like, well, dude, there's some hor- you know, neurohormonal problem me. going on for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I, I don't know. I actually don't even and know. And then once he was satisfied, um, he began his ritual that he know now establishes with dissecting a human body so um yeah he had to get rid of the evidence uh, in general but it was a sexual experience for him too like taking apart the body yeah so like it it was like the masturbating didn't just end like now with the body that he was continuously having these feelings like as so that's why like as he didn't just break it down to get rid of the evidence he like took his time with it and was thorough and like enjoyed it you know he enjoyed the process of it yeah um so he you know this took him hours but then he like eventually he ended up burying some of the remains in the shallow grave uh he dissolved some of the flesh crushed some of the bones kind of did a few things like that but man and he was so young and he was alone in that house like nobody knew what was going on right and so like those gruesome details of just his first killing 
Like, it terrifies me, but it even terrified him at the time. Like, he tells the detectives, like, he was freaked out. Uh, insane. You know? Absolutely insane. Um, I'm sure the detectives were really thrown off, too. Probably, like, a hard story for them to hear. Oh, for sure. It's hard for anyone to hear. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, it even freaked him out, like, because he took a, like a, a long break before he had his next victim. And, like, this, I don't think the first one was really premeditated or anything like that. It wasn't expected, so he like probably was like, "Holy, holy cow, what did I just do?" And so he he had a little bit of a break, and so after he got that first taste, right, um, his his dad finally found out that he was alone. He was going to go tell his dad, but then, like, his dad was, like, helping him with news, and he never ended up admitting to his dad about it because um, his dad ended up helping him, like, try to get his life back on track, help him get into a university because he was just, you know, being a lazy drunk, essentially. Um, and his dad was like, no, we've got to do more. So he tries to get him into the university, which eventually Jeffrey drops out of, right? One term. He gets one term done, but he drops out because of his heavy drinking. He can't control his drinking at this point. So next, you know, they decide, well, we're going to ship you off to the army and let them make a man out of you, you know? So like, we're going to ship you off to the army. And so he served for two years and then he ends up getting in trouble there again. And he gets um, discharged, unsuitable for military service due to alcohol abuse. I mean, yeah, and because, that, that's yeah. A, you know they they do they dishonorably discharge for alcohol use all the you know if that's an issue and and they look at the pattern of drinking and you know there's too much alcohol too often and they also have to look to see in and people always ask like well what is alcohol abuse but you know it's also using alcohol to to function you know like if you can't if you get up in the day and instead of coffee you have alcohol like you need to start your day with alcohol that's that's a red flag or if you can't function it becomes that so. Um. Yeah, I definitely needed to get help. Yeah. Anyone? Well, and then that definitely like kept. I mean, I kept seeing this this alcohol and his drinking like yeah. coming up, and I wonder like how much does that play a role? And so I had to look up stats, of course. And so like roughly about forty percent of convicted murderers were the murderers were under the influence of alcohol when they took somebody's life. About forty percent of those that are convicted. Oh wow, that's that's a really high, that's a really high number. Yeah, it's not that the alcohol is doing it, but, but it's, it's plain, just it's a common factor. But it is a common factor. Oh wow. Um. So not only does it like influence you to commit more violent acts, but it can also escalate the severity of those acts. And so I think that that's why that that's a, you know, a factor, that as well. So I just. I mean, I don't know. His dad tried to do as much as he could. He was very unsuccessful in the fact of trying to get his son to stop drinking. Like, he, he was definitely trying to make effort of it. So then at this point, you know, Dahmer goes to live with his grandmother. Sweet grandmother that he loved so much. Oh, man. I mean, everybody loves grandma, right? But, um, so he... I just sniffled. Oh, I thought you were laughing at me. <laughs> All right, so um, he goes to live with his grandmother, and, you know, we're hoping that this motivates him, just like having her as a positive influence in his life. And it seems to work at first. Um, 
you know, he goes with his grandmother to church. He helps her around the house. Um, and he even gets a job. But he gets a, his first job, by the way, at the Milwaukee Blood Plasm Center. Plasma. Plasm. He gets his first job at the Milwaukee Plasma Center. Okay. <laughs> oh, man. I cannot imagine. And then he later gets a job as a chocolate factory mixer. Chocolate factory mixer? And he don't have any standards there, I guess. I don't know. I guess they don't know mm-hmm. what he's doing yet, so that's true. Well, he's getting kicked out of everything. So, like, what alcohol, what's really yeah. like his ba- his background? I'm not talking about that, but I'm like, you go from a blood bank to a chocolate factory. That's more of like what stood out to me, and I was like, okay. Um, but you know, I'm sure most people thought like he was living a a pretty normal life, but uh, can't last forever when you've got those those demons inside of you. Those, no. those yeah. So um, we go to the night in 1987, okay? And this is when Jeffrey Dahmer, whichever I should be calling him, Dahmer, he goes to visit a gay bar. Have you ever been to a gay bar? I've, no, I haven't, actually. They're definitely fun. Fun for him, I guess, too, huh? Yeah. Okay. Side note. And it's nice because, like, nobody, like, the dudes don't flirt with you. You could just, like, get a drink and chill. I don't know. Girls just hate getting flirted on at the clubs, without it? Just like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. All right. But on this night at the gay bar, it wasn't as fun. So in 1987, we're at this gay bar, and he meets this um, mid-20s um, male. And due to the fact that... Uh, since Jeffrey, you know, he's like living with his grandmother, right? So he's got no place to kind of go back with a male friend. And so he rents a room at this hotel that's like right there by the gay bar. And, you know, it, it's kind of like a little motel setup kind of situation. And they head there and they keep drinking and they keep drinking. And, and you know, Dahmer tells the detectives like, you know, hey, I wasn't planning on killing anyone that night. That wasn't my intentions i just i woke up the following morning and oh he was dead oh okay with his that's... chest crushed in okay that's uh, not yeah okay and so, so so Dahmer says he's got no memory whatsoever of what had happened so he panicked but he managed to uh, move the body to his grandmother's house now he's got another house with a body in it right he dismembers it. Oh, my God. Is the same thing again? He disposes of it, but this time, he keeps the head. He keeps the head. Yeah. So, accident or not, something switched. Like, whatever, you know, the adrenaline that came with the second killing here at this point, you know, something switched. Um, from that moment, that moment forward. So then he now he's like actively seeking out young men at the gay bar, and he's like luring them back to his grandmother's house. And you know, the for the pretext he's telling them, he's like, "Hey, we're gonna party, we're gonna drink. You know, I've got money. Like, come on back." And he's like charming these these victims to leave with him, to leave the gay bar and go with him. And he gets there and. 
he spikes their drink. Oh, so, he was drugging them. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so there's like no way for them to leave like this house of horrors situation. Like, they're not leaving they're, alive. They're, they're too intoxicated and yeah. they're, they're drugged. Yeah. They're just not leaving alive. And so, you know, now we're looking at late spring 1990s and he moves out of his grandmother's house. And we're talking about now he moves into the apartment, the same apartment that we started at with the two officers. Okay. 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 So that happened in 1991. We're talking about 1990. So we're about a year prior to back. that okay. moment. Okay. okay. You're back. You're before. Yeah. So, um, w- you know, he finally moves into that place um, and his victim count starts shooting up in numbers. I guess it's just going uh, up, so he's, right? He's gra- at least grandma, being around grandma, he couldn't do so much stuff. He can't, so. Well, he couldn't dismember him. He couldn't do as much with her around. Like, he gets that apartment and bam, like, we're going up, right? And then they, like, I had read somewhere and I'm like, I don't, this... I don't think this was part of like the documentary or some of the other things I've seen. I didn't see this everywhere, but I did read in one of the places that um, by the summer of 1991, he was at the stage of um, murdering approximately one person each week. That's, That's insane. Yeah. As he's doing it each time, the rituals and the experiments, like it's getting more and more disturbing. It's definitely getting more and more disturbing. So um, he retains parts of his victims' bodies. He's he's taking photos of their the the, the whole process of his dismemberment. So he's no longer scared and freaked out like he was the first. Guess, yeah, the yeah. Now he's seeking it. Now he's yeah. got that rush, and now he's seeking it. At that point, he started seeking it when he started going like after his second kill. Right. Like the second one kind of like triggered that for him, and so like you know. Now he's trying to create these mindless sex slaves in a way, you know, they're like, they they can't leave him. Um, At some points, too, he drills holes in his victims' heads and injects like an acid or boiling water into their brains. It's torture. He's just trying to torture them. Wow, that's insane. Like, it's, yeah, I don't even know. Like, that's what I mean by like his rituals are starting to get like. More and, way, more, more and more disturbing. Way yeah. out and, there, and almost yeah. like, almost like, you know, detailed. Like that's a that's a very yeah. detailed thing to do. He, that's why I'm, I mean, he's so thorough, and he like thoroughly enjoys it in such the wrong way. It's like, oh you know, there God. there's something going on, right? And needless to say, you know, the experiments or whatnot that he does on these victims with these uh, these holes in their head and whatnot. They're they're not making it. They they die instantly or they fall into a coma. Um, so then he would follow up by consuming the flesh and the organs. Oh my god! Yeah. In his own like words per se, he I'm gonna paraphrase, but he talks about like the cannibalism kind of started off as more curiosity, but it's also like a way to make his victims permanently a part of him. Oh wow, this is like like a deep psychological like, like you know That's what I'm saying. Like he's got the abandonment, just, yeah. he's got this attachment yeah, he, showing he up here. Yeah, he There's like leave. so much that I want to ask. And well, you know, we'll get into that I'm sure here in a moment. But um at the end he manages to lure 
17 young men. And by the way, one of these young victims is a 14-year-old, by the way. Wow. Um, and oh, when this wow. situation had happened, he had tried to escape and officers had came. And so, like, then her, his neighbor had called the cops multiple times about the stink in the apartment and something's going on over there. And they're just, like, blowing her off, right? Oh, no. And, you know, this this young kid, they called and they could see that he's messed up. And Dahmer comes out and tells him, like, hey, he's just like a lover's quarrel. He's drunk. I'm trying to take care of him, blah, blah, blah. And they believe him over the neighbors. And they never look into it further. So it's like... Also, the cops you know, they came when the guy was there and they put, put the cut. The young so the, one. So the yeah, kid, the youngest one, the 14-year-old. 14-year-old just went right back? To the... Went right back. Oh, man, because the cops let him. Yeah. Oh, oh. And they just, like... So, like, that's just, like, a side portion on them that we have to consider. But, like, so eventually he, you know, lures 17 young men to their brutal, brutal death. At this point, if the officers had, you know, investigated just a little bit further, they would have found... A lot of the bodies. Oh, that they would have found evidence there in his apartment oh, so they had, they if had they the checked chance. into it. Oh, yeah, oh. and um, the boy ends up going back with him, right? Because he tells him, like, "Hey, this is my boyfriend." And they try, and and the neighbors are telling him, like, "Hey, he's underage. He's underage." And he's like, "Dahmer's like, no, no, no. He's nineteen years old. He he's just really, well, the really boy's drunk. so injured. He probably didn't even know what's going on. Yeah, and he was so out of it. But um, he later later dies, and uh, Dahmer did inject his brain. With hydrochloric acid. Oh wow! Yeah, so he's he's doing all sorts of experiments on the on humans right now. Um, but if it wasn't for our young man that we we started with, our handcuffed man in 1991, escaping, who knows how he, much this could have been kept going going on for? Yeah. yeah. So like. Because of that, he, you know, he did save so many lives by getting away himself, but like, you know, so many more people to come and they, they find all of these things. Like I, you know, I mentioned the severed head in the refrigerator they found, they find three more in the freezer. They had, he had jars with genitals inside of them. Uh, like two human hearts. Uh, he must not have gotten to eating those ones just yet. And so he lured 17 men back. But he's only charged with 15 of the 16 deaths because one one particularly lacked evidence. So they didn't charge him with one. Oh, wow. So, but he, so. so he pled guilty to all the counts. And he tried to use the um, insanity defense plea, which um, he was then later like legally declared sane. So that didn't work for him. Yeah, because they're saying that he, I mean, to be legally insane, you you have to, I mean, it's a psychiatric evaluation and all these things, and they look to see yeah. if. And you would think that, like, somebody with this scenario has yeah. some kind of psychiatric issues, like, when you when you hear this story, but but the requirements from the court are, are different. So, it's like, some of the diagnosis that the courts considered um, for an insanity defense include, like, schizophrenia, uh, major depressive disorder bipolar disorder um there's like criteria and there's different different things that qualify yeah personality disorders and like anything that's like voluntary substance like intoxication does not usually qualify as um like an insanity defense so i guess that that was their point but you know i also look at his traumatic upbringing and whatnot that definitely has a, a, a 
play or factor in this. That's where like I started having more questions because it's like, you know, like I mentioned, he had he definitely had some abandonment going on. He definitely had some attachment to things and um you know, I mentioned earlier, like his childhood wasn't exactly the happiest. Like his his parents were fighting consistently, and he was often neglected. Um, his mother like barely got out of bed. She was suffering um, from depression, which you know at this time wasn't very common. But we, but like now that we look back, could possibly be like postpartum depression from after she had like his brother and and whatnot um there are reports talking about like how she was on medications while she was pregnant with Dahmer that um you know they're trying to say that might be able to cause some mental illness in him that he might be going through um i don't know it, it it's all over the place what's going on with the situation but he had so much trauma and loneliness and definitely some confusion about his sexuality. Uh, 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 what was going on, you know, b- by the time his first kill came around? I mean, I don't even would even know now, but or ever ever know. But that's, there's so much going on there. That's sure. the thing is, is like you know. So I want to know, right? And I, you know, they could study the brain, and they they can. You can't know everything. Like, the brain is just so complicated. Um, But they could study things, and they could see, like, what has patterns and what has similarities and and try to get an idea from that. And his mother was, like, 100% down for that. She was fighting for them to study. Did you do, like, biopsies and stuff and examine the brain? He was evaluated by a psychiatrist during the trial, and they diagnosed him with uh, necrophilia, borderline personality disorder, uh, schizotypical personality disorder, alcohol dependence, and uh, psychotic disorder. And so, you know, even then, you know, the diagnosis are still debated and whatnot, but there's definitely some manipulative, impulsive, irresponsible, I don't know, just Atro- something atrocious. going on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, between the cannibalism and the attachments and the the zombie-like sex slaves that he's making, like something's got to tie in with all of this. So this is the thing, right? So he spends all this time doing the interviews. He admits to and confesses to what's going on. They go ahead and they sentence him, right? And he gets 16 terms of life in prison. 16 um, life sentences? Yeah. In 1992, oh, wow. they made it yeah, official. That's... He gets 16 life sentences. Yeah. And then he gets there and um, somebody shanks him in a way. Like he, somebody takes him down. Oh, someone within prison is. Yeah. A, so a like he gets oh, there, wow. like he's there for a little bit or whatever. But somebody figured out like what he did or 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 what was going uh, on. That's what and, it was. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, he got taken down, and so like that's the thing is, is like I I would love to know what's going on with his brain. I would love to study that. I would love to like oh, that would you be, know learn more yeah, about that. Like a biopsy, yeah. yeah, and his mom was like totally for it. She for testing on it for testing his oh, brain, wow. okay. and it's, like so now that he's passed, right? Like this is 
After he got shanked, okay. Yeah, so okay. like let's let's test it. Let's see what can we learn, right? What is there to learn that we don't know already? Right, right. And um, his dad was not for that, so his dad denied it and refused. And they went to court about that, and his dad essentially won. So they did, they did cremate him. So there is no more brain left to study. But um, I really like you know. What could we possibly have learned? Well, we'll never know. You know? Well, yeah, it's, it's a lost opportunity then, I guess, too. I mean, how do you feel about that? Should they have should they have stayed the brain, do you think? Like, the thing is, is, yeah, I think so. I feel like, I feel like that that's part of the justice of the the victims. Of all the victims, yeah. I mean, people like, are entitled. You've got to do everything you can to prevent that from happening again. People right? and families are entitled, obviously, to protect their family and protect whatever they believe. But I do believe that that it it could always lead to some kind of yeah. And um, I do understand, like the parents have advancement, yeah, the rights. They have the the prop property. They have the the last word and the signature and whatnot in that perspective. And I totally get that. I totally understand that, but I also feel like maybe there could have been a fight on the other side too from it in the perspective of like the victims also deserve some kind of justice. Like if we can learn something about this to be able to recognize and somehow prevent this in the future, we should take every opportunity we can to do so. I absolutely agree. I think that's something that should be done. I and, uh, The right to say that over someone's life or anything like that. Well... That is our episode on that was heavy. our brain eaters. That was heavy. That was it's a very different heavy kinds one. of brain eaters, but that's heavy. Yeah. Oh, good. But oh, it was heavy, but I'm glad we're back. Yeah. All right. High five. <laughs> <laughs> Virtual high five because you just finished another episode of Medical Mystery Monday with Yogi Doc. Did that go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more or would like to be a guest, head over to our website to check out all of our show notes, our blog page, and even register for our newsletter. Don't forget to contact us. To join our community, check us out on social media at yogidoc.tt and show some love by hitting subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Another way that you can show support to our podcast is through paypal.me slash yogidoc and by checking out our Amazon recommendations. All links will be in the description. This has been a Yogidoc production powered by Telethrive. Until next time, explore your wonder and keep thriving. <laughs>